prepare for a whole new sporting experience. This is Sports Planet. The game of football evokes countless passions and emotions that are as strong as life itself. From the Italian, Russian and Asian ultras, to the football mad horde in South America, to the passionate football fans in Africa and the new frontiers in America, the bond that fans have for their favorite football clubs can only be broken by death. And that is why some fans have moved their passion to the next level by buying and owning football clubs. All over the world, football clubs are being purchased by rich owners with a great love for the sport and the club itself, while some are owned by entities who are only looking to make a profit. But for those who truly love their football clubs, it is the ultimate dream. And while it isn't always as easy as it seems when resistance from fans a major problem, especially if the club is struggling, owning a football club is an incomparable feeling. Welcome to Sports Planet, your premium news and magazine sports show. Today on the show, we'll be hearing from Wael Al-Qadi, owner of English League One club side Bristol Rovers. My name is Tunde Koiki. Let's take a short break and we'll be right back. Forty-eight-year-old Wael Al-Qadi is an investment banker from Jordan who fell in love with football during his time as a student in England. While at school in London in the early 80s, he began regularly attending Chelsea matches, becoming a fan of the club, and 30 years later became the majority owner of Bristol Rovers after buying a 92.6% stake in the club. Al-Qadi was speaking to international football journalist Manny Jasmi recently about why he bought the club and his relationship with Chelsea owner Roman Abramovich. This is Sports Planet. Uh, potential. I did uh, do a lot of research into clubs in different countries, mainly Belgium and Spain, before realizing that the best opportunity for owning a club would be in England because of the culture there, the way the leagues are set up. Uh, it's m more established. It's like... Um, a stable market if you like. Um, your investment is protected by laws. Uh, basically it had to be a club that was fundamentally strong in footballing terms, i.e. a strong loyal fan base that um, had the potential to, to uh, succeed. So what's it like to be a club owner? Every day, every second, there's something new. Uh, it's never boring, I can say. <laughs> the highlight definitely had to come when uh, we won promotion in the last second of the season. And they come again. Oh, it's off the post. Surely it is. Lee Brown. What a moment. Bristol Rovers. Promotion. They can start the party. Get in that. We are going up. We are going up. We are going up. You know, the, the way that happened, we clinched an automatic promotion spot with a 92nd minute winner. Uh, and then we had to wait five minutes and to hear Accrington Stanley's results. They had to draw for us to get promoted. 
and just waiting for that result to come in took forever and it was very tense and um, so it ended up in a draw and we got promoted so automatically and then the scenes after that was just you know amazing basically hearing this roar that emerged from the crowd it was just you know spine chilling it's just incredible to hear and the fans were on the pitch um, then they went to celebrate on the Gloucester Road it's just something that you can never ever forget and was this a lone venture or or did you take your family along with you or, or did you come from a football family anyway it was a lone venture. Uh, I started off on a journey on my own, and I, along the way, uh, involved my family into this. When you say you involved your family into it, did you, do you actually mean you dragged them into it? Well, I gently persuaded them to be uh, uh, dragged into this. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Bristol Rovers aren't your first love in English football because uh, you started watching Chelsea in the 80s when, when they were in the second division. So you were there. You know, the old song goes, where were you when, uh, when you were, were rubbish yeah. to uh, slightly change it? And you, uh, you were there, weren't you, when they were in the old second division? Yes, I was there on the shed, uh, home and away, when I was uh, young and early 80s when Chelsea were near the bottom of the second division back then, nearly relegated into the third. What intrigues me a lot about Bristol Rovers is that the fans really remind me of Chelsea back then. Passionate. So there's a lot of similarities I, I see. Is it right that at one point you managed to smuggle yourself into the inner sanctum of Roman Abramovich to take a selfie with him? I didn't smuggle myself. It was out in the open in, uh, in uh, Dortmund. It was the World Cup uh, semi-finals and me and my friend were out um, in the square having a drink and my friend said, oh, there's uh, Roman. And I found myself just running towards him, past his bodyguards, snuck up right next to him and said, Mr. Abramovich, can I have a picture? And he just nodded. And I gave the camera to the bodyguards who just wanted to kill me because I snuck past them and they took a picture. And I told him, thank you very much, I'm a big Chelsea fan. And he just nodded again. And, uh, <laughs> he didn't say anything to no. you? No, nothing. <laughs> it was hilarious. How gracious of him. Um, have you met him as an owner, as, a sort of, as, a, as an equal, as it were, in, in the world of football? Yes, I have met him... Um, as fate would have it, uh, we were drawn against Chelsea last year yeah. in the EFL Cup and after the game I met him. Did he say anything to you then? I tried to remind him of our previous meeting and guess what he did? He just nodded. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to Bristol Rovers, is it right that you spend some of the matches on the terraces with the fans rather than in the director's box? Yeah, I mean, I, I like to enjoy my football and uh, basically I don't like being in the director's box wearing a suit and tie. Uh, I like to be, you know, heavily involved in the game and um, find it more enjoyable basically watching from the terraces. So you know the songs? Of course. <laughs> but I, and you know I'm going to ask you, don't you? <laughs> Uh-oh. Give us a song that you can give us on the radio. Well, it has to be, you know, Good Night Irene. You know, that's the uh, iconic song for Bristol Rovers. Uh, Good night, Irene. Good night, Irene. Cool. My singing is terrible. I can't <laughs> have a ba uh, bad voice. <laughs> that was Wal Al Qadi, owner of Bristol Rovers, speaking to international football journalist Manny Jasmi. Sports Planet will be right back. Stay tuned. 
And here is where we bring down the curtains on today's episode of Sports Planet. You can send me all your sports views, questions, and comments on Twitter or just follow me at Babatunde Koiki. That's B A B A T U N D E K O I K I. And for more sports stories from all across the world, please visit www.completesportsnangira.com and you can click on the radio button on the website to listen to this episode or previous episodes of the show from our podcast archives. Before we go, let's tell you that Swedish referee Jonas Eriksson and his French counterpart Tony Chaperon will officiate select Chinese Super League games this weekend in response to recent controversies. In July, four match officials were attacked by irate fans after a controversial draw in the country's second division. The Chinese Super League is hoping that this weekend's move can bring credibility back to the league. On behalf of our production crew here in our studios, my name is Tunde Koiki, wishing you all a wonderful weekend. Oh, and yes, the planet is listening.